Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The following is a presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for high school sports. This is Scoreboard Saturday on News Radio KMAN. Yes, indeed. It is Scoreboard Saturday, News Radio KMAN, on this Saturday, February the 17th, 2024, in the heart of the Flint Hills and the studios of Manhattan Broadcasting. I am your host, AJ Shaw, back with you again. Just got a few of these bad boys left uh, before we get into the playoffs next week, the final week of the regular season, hence why the title of this episode on the podcast. And we'll get to the podcast here in just a quick second. Is called We've Hit the Stretch Drive. If you watch baseball, they typically say, you know, when we get to the end of the season, we've hit the stretch drive. Well, we've hit the stretch drive for the high school basketball regular season. Substate is two weeks from now, starting on February 27th. And then, of course, state the following week, beginning on March the 6th. So we have a lot to discuss as we get into the final state. The final stages, pardon me there, the final stages of the regular season. We'll start off with Manhattan, of course, today. Later on, we'll sit down with Junction City boys coach Nick Perez, his team winning last night at Emporia, 56-41, picking up a share of the Centennial League title. And then we'll sit down with Silver League girls coach Kyle Porter. His team has already won the Mideast League outright. And later on, I... Well, we have a update, a wrestling update from Troy Coverdale. It's Manhattan boys down at the 6A Regionals at Wichita North High School. Um, and he will have an update on that. Spoiler alert, Manhattan boys wrestling sending their entire team, all 13, to state next weekend. So Troy will have a little update for you near the end of the show on uh, Manhattan High wrestling in the 6A Regionals at Wichita North High School. But we'll start off first with Manhattan basketball at Washburn Rural last night. A big game for both sides. Manhattan was coming off, the boys were at least coming off, a big win over Emporia on Tuesday. The girls, a tough luck loss despite leading for most of the game against Emporia on Tuesday, ultimately lost to now the Centennial League champions on the girls' side, the Emporia Spartans, Mitch Fortner was on the call for that one. Nailbiters end up in two very unfortunate losses for the Manhattan girls and boys basketball teams last night. As both came down to the wire, both teams fall short at Washburn Rural High School last night. We start with the Manhattan girls who are once down 15 points in the game. 
on numerous occasions, the Manhattan girls would get within two but can never take the lead. They end up losing by five to the Junior Blues, the number nine team in 6A, 55-50. Leading the way for the girls in for Manhattan and also were key figures in battling back multiple times to get within one possession. Maxine Deering with 17 points, Delaney Larson with 16, and Cat Ball with 10. They played phenomenal games, and fortunately, they fall just a bit short. Leading the way for Washburn Rule, 20 points from a freshman phenom by the name of Maddie Vickery. She scores a combined 46 points in the two wins over Manhattan, and she's just a freshman. She stands 6-1 as well. And then 5'11 senior Zoe Canfield, who's a KU basketball signee, finishes with 16 points. Manhattan girls fall to 10 and 9 overall, 4 and 5 in Centennial League play. Washburn Rural girls overall, 13 and 5. For the Manhattan boys, kind of the same story. They got down 10 and then clawed back a couple of times. One point deficit, two point deficit. Indians were down two with seven seconds to go. They had the ball after two missed free throws from Washburn Rule. Unfortunately, a turnover ends their shot at a game tying or game winning bucket. And the Manhattan boys lose the Washburn Rule 48-46. Very notable about this game was Indians were without three contributors, including two starters. Landon Knopp was out sick. He's their best three-point shooter. Ian McNabb out with an ankle injury. That's the fourth game he's missed. And Noah McFadden off the bench, a 6'2 sophomore, is averaging five points a game. Hurt his ankle in the JV game, so he wasn't available. Plus starter Jason Kim was sick, but he still grinded through it and finished with nine points. Indians led by a career-high 10 points from Sam Spiegel. Manhattan boys now fall to 11-8 overall. They're 5-4 in league play for Washburn Rule. They're now 10-9 overall and 7-2 in Centennial League play. Well, Manhattan now moves on to Tuesday night, and Tuesday night is senior night at the MHS Gym as Manhattan will be hosting Hayden for a pair of games. Pre-game coverage at approximately 545 on Tuesday evening. Both Manhattan girls fall at Washburn Rural High School last night. I'm Mitch Fortner for Scoreboard Saturday and News Radio KMAN. Thank you, Mitchell. I don't think I've ever called him that before, but thank you, Mitch, uh, for that wrap. Again, Manhattan girls losing 56-50 to Washburn Rural. The Junior Blues on the girls' side now 13-5 and on the season, 7-2 and in the Centennial League play. And on the boys' side, the Junior Blues improved to 10-9, and also 7-2 and in uh, Centennial League play. And for the Junior Blues, the boys' side, that was a big win because a win for them in their last game and a Junction City loss, and they will earn a share of the Centennial League title. We mentioned earlier Junction City winning last night at Emporia 56-41. So they already have clinched a share of the Centennial League title. There are no tiebreakers. So if two teams or three teams finish with identical conference rec- or league records, then they all win a share of the league title. Uh, it's that way I know back where I'm from in Illinois. So uh, it's the same way here in Kansas. Junction City has already clinched uh, a share of the league title on the boys' side for the Centennial League. Emporia has already clinched the league title outright on the girls' side. They're 9-0, and 17-1. and they, They're just dominant, one of the best teams in the state of Kansas. Mitch also had an opportunity to talk with Manhattan boys' coach, Benji George, after the ballgame. Final score tonight from the boys' game, Manhattan Falls in a heartbreaker to Washburn Rule, 48-46. Mitch Fortner now joined by Manhattan head coach Benji George. First coach, let's just talk about the impact of not having three guys in your rotation. You're missing two starters, Landon Knopp and Ian McNabb. Knopp is out sick, McNabb with the ankle injury, and then you find out you know, Noah McFadden 
gets hurt in the JV game. It's hard to play a game like this and when it's so important. You still you just lost by two, but you're missing three key players. That's got to be an impact. Yeah, you know, I told him before the game I stole from uh, from Coach Tang, and I just told him, you know, the movie the movie Die Hard is not a great movie if Bruce Willis dies in the first ten minutes. You know, we didn't. We're not coming over here to lay down for anybody. We're not going to be play the victim card. Um, you know, I, I wrote all of our players' names on, on the board, and I asked them which ones aren't competitors. They all are. And um, you know, I I told the guys I'm after. Uh, we've had so many close games. I don't even remember which one it was. But after one of the close losses, I told them that you know I, I I'm done with good job, good effort speeches. That we got to win some of these. And so yeah, I, I'm frustrated by the result, even down players I, I don't have a good job good effort speech left we've played too many close games and you know we got to get the job done and um you know we, we we hung in there we hung in there i i i'm frustrated by you know it, it doesn't have to be miles all the time and we're trying to get that into you know the guys' heads i huge credit to miles for gutting through the ankle injury you know we our boat couldn't take on any more water when it comes to injuries and illness, but he gutted his way through it. But, you know, I, I like I would like to have seen Jason just take the reins and, and go make a play there. Um, you know, we, we got to get over that that mentality of Miles always being our safety net. Well, Jason Kim was facing a lot tonight. I want yeah. to ask you about him specifically because, I mean, he was grinding through an illness. Yep. Uh, I mean, you told me earlier he was kind of questionable for tonight, but he powered through. He finishes with nine points, but, I mean, watch the rule every time he – was maybe going to get an open three. Here comes a double team. They really yeah, and him. and you're right. And, and and you know, and that's tough. I mean, he's he's under duress from illness, and then they definitely put his, their longest guard on him. I mean, they put Jones on there on him, and I think that was intentional to kind of bother him. Um, I thought he, he did step up and make some big shots and got some some big rebounds um, there late. And I thought, I mean, you know, defensively, like Goose came in and and uh you know to get did a great job I, I love defensively i told the guys when i'm able to zoom out emotionally right now the thing that is going to stand out to us is our defense we went from being a team that was just lost on how to guard screens and hadn't really even played man-to-man defense and to guard all that circle motion stuff and all the princeton stuff and and be able to do a really nice job of it i thought we showed some real growth defensively and and i thought on the boards in the second half we did a better job and and kind of buckled down there and it kept us in the game yeah again the final score 48 46 finishing with 10 points was sam spiegel and sam was one of those players that had to play extra minutes there were a number of guys that had to play extra minutes i mean did you feel like this team was was like especially like a sam spiegel and a like a jackson goose is maybe getting a little bit of pressure from it, the student section really had to grind through some things that maybe they haven't experienced before. yeah i mean i i honestly i i, I liked that we were able to get those guys in there I, I didn't like the circumstances created that but um i thought sam played great tonight i got into asher at halftime and i thought he responded um in the second half and um you know it, realistically at times there's more there's more players available even right now than than what i what, what i can put on the floor I, I wanted sawyer on the floor you know i had to really decide between elijah and sawyer uh defensively there late and um you know, I, I, I think it's just credit to our guys and to our roster that we could have a lot of capable players. And, um, you know, the, our bench stepped up tonight, and, and obviously it was it was uh, under the gun, and we needed them too. Yeah, and one more thing you reminded me of is that was the fouls. I think at one point it was 11-4 to four on fouls, and it, that was in the first half. And already down three guys, was it a major challenge to figure out? Because fouls started to add up for a few guys a little bit. No doubt. I mean, I was uh, – highly aware and was probably making the officials maybe a little bit too aware of it but um 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, and the other issue we were having was quarters. You know, I mean, because uh, some of those guys played JV, and, and then we weren't expecting to be without Noah. So we, we had to sit Goose for an entire quarter just because we didn't have quarters available. So, I mean, it, it's things that, you know, you know you're probably going to go through it at some point, but I don't know that I've ever had, you know, this situation where you, you have the injuries and then the illnesses, and now you're battling, okay, who's got quarters available to play? in such a, you know, it's such a rivalry game, and, and the games against Rural are always intense and close. And, you know, in all honesty, I thought those young guys, they really stepped up and gave some good minutes. Yeah, and then you got senior day. Uh, on Tuesday with Hayden, still feel like a really big game. One more for sure on your home floor. Oh, no doubt. I mean, the elephant in the room is, uh, you, I mean, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. You have to avoid the eight seed. I mean, just plain and simple. And you know, we have an opportunity Tuesday to not only send these seniors out on winners, and that has to be the number one priority because it's a phenomenal senior class, but um, we, we got to put ourselves in a good spot now. It's uh, there's There's no help to be had. We have to help ourselves. Coach, appreciate your time. Yep, thank you. That's Manhattan head coach Benji George. Mitch Fortner once again with Manhattan boys coach Benji George. His team falls last night on the road to Washburn Rural in a tight one, 48-46. Both games against the Junior Blues for Manhattan, very tight. The first one back on February 5th, ironically, just about a little over a week ago, 11 days ago, was a five-point overtime loss, and then last night a two-point loss uh, to the Junior Blues. Coming up next, we'll sit down with Junction City boys coach Nick Perez, also take you around the Centennial League and the NCKL. It's all coming up next on Scoreboard Saturday, powered by WTC Communications. We're back here on Scoreboard Saturday, News Radio KMAN on this Saturday. A.J. Shaw, your host. Of course, this show always brought to you by the great folks over at WTC Communications. WTC keeping you connected with the fastest fiber network internet speeds. Get your home or business in the game online at WTCKS.com. That's WTCKS.com. All right, we'll jump now into our second segment of the show. We talked a little bit about Manhattan High in our first segment the girls falling last night at Washburn Rural, 56-50. to The boys falling by a score of 48-46. Very tight game, as Mitch Fortner mentioned in his recap. Manhattan short last night. They were down three players. Jason Kim and Asher Newcomer were also banged up. Jason Kim battling an illness. Asher Newcomer battling an ankle injury. So uh, they were they put up a great fight. you got to give them a lot of credit for putting it together. And I thought uh, Benji George put it great right there with the Jerome Tang quote, you know, Die Hard wouldn't have been a great movie had Bruce Willis died in the first segment. I think that's becoming quite the uh, the thing to say here in the Little Apple, Manhattan, Kansas, the happiest place on earth. Of course, speaking of the Centennial League, we already have at least one champion determined out of the Centennial League boys. That's the Junction City Blue Jays, who sit at 17-2 and for the season, 8-1 and in, co- in uh, Centennial League play. And a big reason for their success has been the coaching of head coach Nick Perez, who joins us now. And, Coach, uh, first off, a big win for you last night against Emporia. Um, you guys now sit at 17-2, and 8-1 and one in the season, as I mentioned. Uh, as you head into the final stretches of this season, you know how does this team try to kind of put it together near the end as they head into the postseason? Yeah, thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, we're excited about it. Obviously, we want to take care of business on Tuesday so that we don't have to share anything. Absolutely. Uh, big win over Emporia tonight. Uh, 
things are going really well for you guys since we last spoke back in January. You haven't lost since the uh, tournament at Spring Hill. You're sitting at 8-1 and one now on the season. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about it, but are things kind of still going the same way success-wise for your team defensively and offensively since we last spoke? Yeah, yeah, defensively, we really cranked it up. We've really got after it. Um, I think our half-court defense has really been efficient as far as points per possession, and um, our defense in the full court has been not as good probably in the, in the beginning of the year as it is now. I'm excuse me, as it was in the beginning, just based off. I think we got some tired legs, obviously. A long season, we only play seven or eight guys. Sometimes we sprinkle in a ninth guy, but just really like where we are defensively in the half court, and our kids are really playing hard with a lot of effort, and I think that's one thing that we, we pride our defense on. Absolutely. You got your final game with Topeka High on Tuesday, then you head into the postseason. <coughs> you headed. You you were in state, of course, last year in the quarterfinals against Wichita Heights. Unfortunately, that didn't end the way you wanted to, but definitely a lot of experience picked up from that game. Uh, what were some of the lessons you learned from that that you could be able to kind of translate to this team this year as you head into postseason? Yeah, great question. I, I think a lot of it was, uh, you know, after we got beat, we realized where we needed to be as a team. Uh, defensively, not just offensively. I feel like we can score um, with anybody, but defensively, we got to be able to contain some people. And you know, Heights kind of exploited us there towards the mid of third quarter, fourth quarter last year at State. And so, we really wanted to work on getting better this summer in our defensive possessions. Um, I don't really care about offense in the summer. I just wanted them to shoot it as much as they could. But uh, defensively, we worked on some things and try to get better. And 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 they're now they're coming to fruition. I mean, we're seeing it uh, in in season. I think the core is. A pretty good team, you know, we, we held them to 39 points. Uh, Manhattan is a good team, held them to 53. I mean, obviously, we only scored 46, but, you know, when you're holding teams to that to, to that margin, you, you have a little bit of error on your offensive side. And so, um, for us, I think it's just the development in the summer defensively helped us realize where we wanted to be. Absolutely. That Manhattan game was a three-point win. It was definitely a dogfight throughout, but you guys were able to come away with the win in that one. What were kind of Absolutely. the keys... What were some kind of the keys to success in that ball game for you? Yeah, I, I, I just, you know what, we just had some players make plays. I'll just be completely honest with you. Defensively, I thought we did a good job of containing Knopf. I thought he, he couldn't get a shot off as much. And Asher, mm-hmm. uh, newcomer, you know, two good shooters that we just tried to contain. And then, you know, the other part of it, too, was just make sure Jason Kim didn't have 24 like he did the first game. And I thought we did a good job defensively with Trey and Bell and, and you know, just coming together in that game. What an atmosphere. I mean, Mm-hmm. Yeah, Manhattan Junction, obviously a rivalry, but um, you know, very clean basketball game. Two very good programs. Benji does a great job, and you know, since I've been here, it's just it's been a lot of fun. I think for the Junction side of things, you know, before I got here, they had lost ten years, I think, straight. Mm-hmm. And so, try try to make it a rivalry again and, and and build it up, and and just the atmosphere for the kids was uh, one once in a lifetime. Hopefully, it's like that every time. But I'm just happy for our kids to, to finish that game and get it done. Absolutely, and that was, you know, it, it always feels like when you guys get together, I think you made a great point there. I mean, it's always a dogfight. I mean, they won the first game by one back in January. You come back with a three-point win last Friday, and you're sitting at 17-2 and two now, 8-1 and one in conference play. Uh, and it, it just seems like on this run of success you've had ever since coming out of the Spring Hill Tournament, I know when we talked then, you said, you know, we, 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 were, we, we played good basketball, but we're trying to get better. Uh, do you think the team has really responded? How do you think I, – I, let me readdress this. How do you think that? How do you think the team has responded from that? Is my question. Well, I'll be honest with you. I know Atlanta South is a pretty good basketball team. I think they're ranked right in the top ten. But I think we we were we were upset that we got beat. I think a lot of it we took it personal. Um, 
you know, and then we just take practice personal now. We try not to let guys go, you know, when we're guarding, try to school on us, and we try to make our offense more efficient. And I think that was a good lesson for us because I think we kind of cakewalked, you know, to the finals thinking that this was going to be a cakewalk. And, um, you know, it was a good, you know, it was kind of a good reality check for our guys after that game to realize that if you don't bring your A game, you're going to get beat. And, um, you know, credit to Lake South and Coach Ball, they did a great job. But, you know, I, I feel like we didn't play our A game. And so um, our kids just take it every day in practice. We take things personal. And if we don't reach our goals in shooting, we run. You know, if we don't get stops, we run. And I think our kids just now it's like, hey, we got to do these little things because they're going to add up to a big thing. And hopefully it's a league championship, a sub-state championship, and then an opportunity for a state championship. And so that was a blessing in the skies for us. And we've taken it with a great assault. Just keep moving forward. After Tuesday's game, you're going to have a week off before the playoffs. I know at times this year you guys have had even longer breaks with the weather. How do you guys get prepared for the postseason with that little week of hiatus? Well, I think the coaching staff will scout, obviously. We, there's some possibility we play some city teams that we, we haven't saw yet, so we'd be able to take advantage of their extra game on Thursday or Friday. And then for our guys, we got some guys kind of dinged up right now, so I think having a couple days off will allow their legs to heal, but also their we got some hand injuries going on right now. So for us, I think it's just one of those things to maintain focus. And, you know, they're going to see a lot of that Wichita Heights film during that time and make them remember how that felt, you know, walking off that court. Um, disappointing. And so I think that's what you, as a mindset, you take that into things and, and just go forward from there. And we're going to practice like, you know, we're, we're playing for a state championship every day. And obviously you're hoping your JV can bring that. Uh, most of the times they can't, but... Uh, you just try to, to mirror that a little bit so that you, you make the situations a little harder so when it comes to those situations in games, you're able to execute them and finish and hopefully have success. You mentioned some guys are banged up, but no, hopefully nothing serious, though, just some knick-knack injuries that are day-to-day stuff that they can heal pretty easily and be ready for playoff time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, We just have some – we have a rolled ankle. We have um, a thigh bruise. We have uh, mm-hmm. two guys with hand injuries, and so – and they played through it. It's just it'd be nice to have a couple of days off to give them a little bit more rest. And, and uh, you know, the focus level's got to be high. It's a lot of film, a lot of mental break. Basketball's a long season. And, uh, you know, we're excited for Tuesday, but obviously we'll be excited for Substate and whoever comes to our place. And first time we get to host both games, and we're excited about it. Well, Coach, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Your team is having a fantastic season, currently number four in 6A boys in the newest KBCA rankings. Good luck to you in the playoffs, and hopefully we can talk again down the road. Absolutely. Thanks for having us on. Anytime we can promote our program, we'd love you to do Nick Perez, the head coach at Junction City. Appreciate him coming on again with us. We talked with him last month, and he's always a great interview to talk with. And uh, His team playing very good right now, and uh, he's done just a fantastic job really uh, keep it, p- turning that program around and putting them as one of the best in 6A. Uh, recently, uh, a bracket came out from Charles Cheney of the Butler County Times. Great writer. Check his work out. He's a great, he's a great writer. Uh, Junction City currently is second in uh, the 6A boys' playoff rankings. They would host Topeka High, who would be 15th in that. Uh, Rich Tall Heights, defending champions out of 6A, who beat Junction City last year. You heard Coach Perez say that uh, his team ended up losing to them, and they and it was a tough loss, and they learned a lot from that game. They're currently the top team. Uh, Shawnee Mission Northwest is the top team on the east portion with Blue Valley Northwest coming in second. So a lot to uh, look at. I mean, Blue Valley Northwest, I, I should apologize. They won 6A last year. 
Wichita Heights was the runner up in that one. So Junction City coming in at two. Manhattan comes in in sixth in this ranking. They would host Garden City uh, if the season ended today. So the uh, Indians on the boys' side, they are the sixth seed for the girls. Uh, Junction City comes in at 15th. Manhattan also sixth. They would host Dodge City on the west side for the 6A girls' playoffs. Other games that went on last night across the Centennial League. Uh, we'll dive a little bit more into the NCKL in our next segment because we're kind of stretched for time here. Topeka High Girls dropping their inner city rivalry matchup with Topeka Hayden last night, 69-36. Uh, Topeka Hayden with girls with their sixth win now in conference. They're 15-3, and but they're third in the Centennial League right now. That just shows you how much of a gauntlet this league is with Topeka Hayden being as good as they are. Uh, Topeka High boys falling 57-42 to Topeka Hayden boys. That's their first win in league play this year. They came into that game 0-8. They were the only winless team in Centennial League play coming in. That was the other game that won on. Do we have a couple minutes? Yeah, we got a couple minutes to do uh, the NCKL really quick. Wamigo girls are struggling. They've dropped three of their last four. Uh, they fell at Concordia last night, a really tough loss for them, 10-point defeat. Now, Lexi Hecht has been in and out of the lineup a little bit. She's been dealing with that injury. We talked, of course, with... Uh, head coach Brian McIntosh a couple of weeks back, he said, yeah, she's dealing with kind of a, a fracture in her arm right now. We were hoping she can come back for the playoffs upstate. Uh, but she was in the lineup last week, I know, for the game at Abilene, and then she wasn't in last night. Uh, but they're struggling right now without their best player, 14-4, and 5-3 and three on the season. And that has allowed the Clay Center girls to jump into first place. They took down Abilene last night, 48 to. 38. Clay Center boys, on the other hand, not so lucky. Fall by 16 to one of the top teams in the state, Abilene boys, 57 to 41. The Abilene boys have clinched at least a share of the NCKL title on the boys' side. Nobody's clinched on the girls' side yet. Clay Center has a one-game lead over Wamigo. Concordia comes in at third. They have three games next week. they got to make a game up. And then Chapman, Marysville, and Abilene uh, near the bottom in that one, Wamigo boys falling at Con at Concordia, 49-41. They've lost three in a row in six of their last eight. So things not going all that well for the Wamigo boys right now. Uh, Chapman girls falling at Marysville last night, 52-42. to They sit at 8-10 and for the season. Chapman boys fell 60-55 to at Marysville last night. They're 7-11 and for the season. Marysville girls, they're at 7-10. and and Marysville boys at 9-10. and 10. Those two teams will face off with Wamigo to wrap up their season at home on Tuesday to wrap up the regular season for them. Coming up next, we'll head over to the Mideast League and sit down with the number one team in all of 4A girls. That's the Silver Lake girls. We'll talk with their head coach, Kyle Porter, coming up next on Scoreboard Saturday, powered by WTC Communications. Welcome back into Scoreboard Saturday here on News Radio KMAN. Couple of announcements I want to make here really quickly before we dive into our next segment. We'll sit down, of course, with Kyle Porter, the Silver Lake girls basketball coach. The Briggs Auto.com passport to Cabo. Yes, we are giving away an all expense paid trip next February to Cabo. 
Eight days and seven nights, a two-bedroom beachfront condo at Villa La Valencia, plus a flight for two out of Manhattan Regional Airport. Uh, last week, I believe it's I believe it's pronounced Fifely Jewelers. Fifely Jewelers uh, was our first finalist. Troy Coverdale will announce our second finalist on the morning show on Monday. You can register there uh, on Friday between four and five p.m. and you could easily get into the finalists if you're one of the first ten. Uh, to sign up. First 10 finalists, of course, will be drawn. I should read that again. First 10 finalists will be drawn, and you will immediately be in the finals. This is an amazing opportunity. Uh, and, um, geez, I can't even get this thing up here. That's how bad I am at this. Um, but it's an amazing opportunity. Jerome Tang has vacation there. It's a beautiful area. Uh, Cabo St. Lucas. I know Colby Van Camp, who is uh, one of our reporters here at News Radio KMAM, was just down there last weekend. Uh, no, he did not win the trip, and uh, I don't think he's also eligible for it, but uh, we were joking with him. He said, you know, it would be nice if you could be eligible for that because you wouldn't have to pay for it next year. But uh, anyways, uh, but it is a beautiful area, Cabo, St. Lucas. Also, he's been down in Mexico the last two years when the Chiefs have won the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, maybe if he goes again next year, the Chiefs will repeat. Speaking of the Kansas City Chiefs, congratulations to them on winning their second straight Super Bowl after beating the San Francisco 49ers 25-22. Other news we have to announce, um, we have our podcast now up on Apple. Yes, Apple Podcasts. Uh, so you can just search up, like I said, with Spotify, K-Man Scoreboard Saturday. Hit that follow button and you'll never miss an episode. If you can't tune in live to listen to us on Saturday morning, don't forget, you can always check out the podcast. We appreciate everybody, though, who tunes in and listens, regardless if it's on radio, it's on podcast, wherever you're listening to us, we appreciate that. All right, let's get now into the Mideast League. We'll start off, of course, with those Silver Lake girls who won another game last night, took down Rock Creek 66-63, 18 consecutive wins, nine straight in, in league play to begin the season in the Mideast League. And Kyle Porter joins us now, the head coach uh, for Silver Lake Girls Basketball. Coach, it's a pleasure to talk with you, and uh, another big win for you last night. You are the champions of the Mideast League. Congratulations, first off, on that. Uh, what were some of the keys last night in the victory for you guys? Yeah, um, in the Rock Creek game, uh, Rock Creek is, is always a good defensive team. They play extremely hard, and I think they're really well coached. Um, our we wanted to, to make get, make the game a transition game to get out as much as we can in transition, and then uh, to play inside out offensively in the half court, and uh, we did just that. I think Mackenzie McDaniel had 28 points tonight. Uh, McKinley Kruger, one of our two guards, uh, pushed in 16, and and overall, it was a really really nice team victory. You're now 18-0 on the season. You are the winners of the Mid-East League on the girls' side of the uh, league. How does that feel to pick up another uh, league title for you guys? It feels great. You know, um, our team right now is focused on playing the season one game at a time. And I know throughout the season you have a tendency or you can be tempted to look ahead, but we've just really been focused on uh, taking each game as it is and focusing on the one that's next, and, and that's the only one that we have control over. So uh, it does feel good, but uh, we got a lot of work left to do. Absolutely. Uh, you got a couple of games left in your season. You had to play Rossville last week. That was, uh, we, we, when we originally were going to talk to you, that was the big game that you had coming up, but we had a little scheduling thing, but all it's all good. Um, how did that game go for you guys? I know you were able to pick up the win, but Rossville's always a tough opponent as well, I know. They are. They play a different style than what we see uh, for most of the season. They're an in-your-face, 
uh, full court defensive team. Um, they really want to speed the game up and make it a track meet. And so for us, uh, we wanted to try to limit what they did in transition. We wanted to, to slow the pace down a little bit to, to our advantage. And uh, I thought for the most part we did that. Uh, and the ball goes, the ball went in a lot that game, and, and that's always nice. But uh, really it was our defense that set the tone. We were great defensively. I think Jocelyn had 20-plus turnovers. So uh, really it was our defense doing our offense last Friday night. Um, looking here at some of the scores, you guys have um, you haven't had a a victory this year that is under ten points. Every single game has been a double digit win. What would you say goes into that into that success? Would you say it's your defense, your offense, or a combination of both? I think it's both. I mean, I think more than anything, it's experience and uh, court time and time on the floor. We have uh, five seniors, uh, and many of which have played all four years. Uh, varsity basketball for us and played significant time and so um, they've had plenty of time to gain experience and make mistakes on the floor and and improve and grow uh, individually and collectively as a team and so I think what we're seeing this year are the fruits of all the hard work that's been put in not only in season but out of season Uh, and really you know we kind of pride ourselves in being a balanced attack uh, not only on the offensive end but the defensive end as well um, being able to, to play man, we can play zone, um, and then offensively just being able to score both inside and out. I think if you you would sort of put one word for our team, it would be balance. And I think uh, that's pretty special when each player can play to their individual strengths and have mm-hmm. a balance. Uh, it's really tough to be. Do you, typic- you say you play a little bit of both, but do you typically play zone more or man more? Yeah, a lot of it just depends on the team, the opponent. Um, I'd say that, that we're pretty split if you look at all our possessions throughout the year, maybe lean a little bit more man-to-man. But uh, for the most part, we've tried to use both defenses effectively, you know, if the, if the game falls through. So uh, what, what year is this for you at Silver Lake now? Uh, this is my fourth year at Silver Lake. This is your fourth year. Well, coming to this program, I'm sure you kind of knew the history. I mean, this is a program that's won multiple state championships. Um your team has been to state, I'm sure, a couple of times under you as well. Talk a little bit about that experience, what it is playing at state. What, what, what is that? What is the experience like? Uh, it's, it's really special. Anytime you get an opportunity to play in the state tournament, uh, you're one of only eight teams that have that, that privilege. And so I think it's great for our kids. It's great for our school. It's great for our community. Um, it's always special when you get to the state tournament and you see the stands filled and uh, everybody in the community kind of rallies around your team and gets to enjoy and take part in the experience. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's something that our kids won't forget, and, and hopefully we have a another run next this year. But it's it's a special thing, and it, it's really cool how athletics can impact not just the kids on the team, but also um, the community at large. So, talk about some of your key contributors who have been who've been kind of the uh, the big players for you this year. We we play seven, and each kind of has their own role. Um, McKinley Kruger is a shooter, scores. He's played point guard for us in the past, and he's been off the ball this year, and and uh, is shooting darn near close to twenty five percent from three. So she's tough. Uh, our point guard Kaylin Hayes, a sophomore, really dynamic, gets to the rim. Uh, Mackenzie McDaniel is a post player that 
is a double double machine. She scores and, and can defend at a high level uh, in the paint. And uh, so we have two players who just do all the little things for us. Uh, Avery Kruger and Kaylee Guider both can score and both have to be needed to score in different times of the year. Uh, but they're the ones that are, are really tough defensively, get a bunch of rebounds, and, and help our team really in any way with whatever the game calls. Um, and then we have two subs that come off the bench to play significant minutes. One's a, one's a senior that is our best help defender. Um, and then we have uh, Sarah Worley in, and then she can make threes and just really fits in well with our team. And then we have a really athletic junior who just can, can uh, do deflections and really provide a defensive presence on the floor and eligibility. So those are the top seven. Those are the key ones that we have. And it's pretty special when each player plays their role to a key and how, how good our team can be. Awesome. Um, we're talking with Silver Lake girls coach Kyle Porter. Uh, coach, recently Keisha came out and announced a trial run for a 35-second shot clock last year. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Are you in favor of it or are you against it? Oh, you know, I, I think uh, the shot clock would be beneficial just in terms of the end-of-game scenarios and, and not having it be a foul fest at the end. And I think it requires teams to play basketball. Um, you know, we've, we've played in games in years past, not recently, but teams have tried to hold the ball to start the fourth quarter. And I'm not so sure that that may be the best way to win a game, but it may not be the best way to develop better basketball players. And so... I think I, I'm in favor of it. I think it would benefit our uh, our game. Um, and I guess we'll see what Keisha decides and how that'll play out next week. Awesome. Well, Coach, it's been a pleasure talking with you, and uh, we appreciate your t- you giving us some time to talk with you tonight. Congrats again on the victory, and uh, good luck to you the rest of the way, and hopefully we can uh, talk down the road sometime soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Head coach Kyle Porter at Silver Lake High School. The girls' basketball team now 18-0, 9-0 in league play. Coming up next, we'll look at some of the rest of the scores around the Mideast League and Twin Valley League, plus a wrestling update from Troy Coverdale. All coming up next on Scoreboard Saturday. We're back on Scoreboard Saturday, News Radio KMAN. AJ Shaw, your host, with you. As we get into our final segment, in just a couple of moments, we'll get a wrestling update from yesterday with Troy Coverdale. Troy will have regional updates throughout the day for day two, coming up at 9.30. He'll also have one after K-State men's basketball, who hosts TCU here on K-Man later today. 10 a.m. pregame with an 11 o'clock tip from Bramlage. And then we'll have K-State women's basketball, a 4 o'clock tip with a 3.30 pregame here on K-Man. By the way, the boys' men's game is also over on our sister station, K-Rock 101.5. Also, K-State baseball, they'll take on Boston College. That's only an online broadcast. Uh, go to newsradiokman.com for that. And uh, they will be hosting Boston College pregame at 12.30. But yeah, Trey will have an update on regional wrestling coming up here at 9.30. I'll also have one after K-State men's basketball, one at 2.45, uh, right before women's basketball. And then uh, then I'll have one right after women's basketball as well. So several updates. Other teams, of course, in their regionals today. Manhattan High School sending their entire team to state next weekend. And uh, Troy has an update for you from last night. 
It was a solid day of wrestling at Wichita North on Friday for the Manhattan High wrestlers. 13 wrestlers have already put themselves through to next weekend's state tournaments. At 113 pounds, Ezekiel Witt will wrestle for a championship on Saturday. He won by a fall over Thomas Shields of Wichita North in the semifinals to advance. At 120 pounds, Caleb Hutchinson was a winner by fall over Julio Sanchez of Hayesville Campus. At 126, Cameron Coonrod became the third Indian to win a semifinal match by pin as he got by Raymond Hernandez of Dodge City. At 132, Brecken Chris Funk kept himself alive in the consolation bracket, winning by decision over Michael Weatherly, 4-3 the final in that round. At 138 in the semifinals, Jamil Agnew fell to the consolation bracket as he lost to Daniel Gomez of Mays in a 10-7 decision. At 144, Logan Lagerman qualified for the championship by winning a 9-8 decision over Diego Guana of Derby. At 150 pounds, Jackson Riedel qualified for the state tournament by winning his second round consolation match, defeating Truman Hartley of Hayesville Campus on a 9-6 decision. Ben Ewer of Manhattan fell in the semifinals to Gabe Sawyer of Free State. 10-5 the decision mark that keeps Ewer alive on the consolation wrestle backside of things on Saturday. At 165, Caden Dabini also remaining alive in the consolation bracket as he won on a major decision over Jesus Bay of Derby, 9-0. At 175, Max Evan Pryor of Manhattan was able to advance in the consolation bracket, defeating Kyler Coleman of Wichita East, 5-0. At 190 pounds, Landon Dobson, pushed himself to the championship round by defeating Aiden Juarez of Liberal 4-2. At 215 pounds, Raymond Gary Hernandez of Manhattan lost by fall with just three seconds left in his match to Chris Coy of Junction City. Raymond Gary Hernandez, though, will wrestle in the wrestlebacks on Saturday. And at 285 pounds, Clayton Frayne of Manhattan suffered a pin at 248 in his match against Milan Colvin of Derby. That will set up Frayne to wrestle in wrestlebacks on Saturday as well. The Indians, though, with a very solid day, again qualifying 13 wrestlers for next weekend's state tournament at Hartman Arena. Washburn Rule is out to a sizable lead in the team title chase the junior blues with 200 points followed by mays at 179 and manhattan at 175 going into saturday's second day of activity i'm troy coverdale for news radio kman thank you mr coverdale appreciate that update for you manhattan as i said sending all 13 to the championship next weekend all right, back to basketball really quick. We'll just go around the Mideast League and the uh, TBL really quickly for you. Riley County girls uh, were on a long winning streak. They had one, let's count here, one, two, five straight wins. Kelsey Nelson's team fell last night at Rossville 41-25. to They have two games left in their season. Road tilts against Mission Valley on Monday and St. Mary's on Thursday. Riley County boys got blown out. Final score in that one, 68-34. Whoops. 68-34 as their three-game winning streak comes to an end. Of course, they'll have the same matchups. We mentioned Rock Creek Girls losers uh, 66-33 to Silver Lake last night. Rock Creek boys, a bit of an upset. Their first loss in league play this year, they fell 51-46 to Silver Lake. They got Valley Heights and Rossville, a road and home contest back-to-back on Monday and Tuesday coming up. 
the uh, other games here. Wabonsi girls, they picked up a blowout win over Harrington, 77-28. They go to 11-7. They had been on kind of a bad run of late. They had dropped four of their last five in the month of February, uh, but they pick up a big win. They got St. Mary's and Silver Lake next Tuesday and Thursday to wrap up their season. Wabonsi boys, a lot closer win over Harrington. They pick up just their fourth win of the season, winning last night 58-57. St. Mary's girls take down Consul Grove in a non-league matchup, 46-18. They go to 9-9 on the season. Not the same, though, for Silver Lake. It's not Silver Lake. St. Mary's boys, uh, they fall 67-65. They go to 11-7. Now over to the Twin Valley League. Hanover girls, a win over Troy last night, 37-28 in a defensive slugfest. Hanover boys, they pick up a loss against Troy, 57-44. They fall to 15-4 on the season. Valley Heights girls, a win over Onega, 53-31. Valley Heights boys with a win over Onega, 50-36. Centralia girls, Picked up just their second loss of the season last night. Lost a one-point contest at home to a very good Clifton Clyde team, 40-39. to They're now 16-2 on the season, 9-1 in Twin Valley League play. And, boy, my cursor is really being annoying today for some reason. Uh, Clifton Clyde boys fell to Centralia, uh, 45-36. Centralia now 10-0 in league play, 15-4 on the season. Donovan West takes down Lynn in a home contest, 57-48. Well, the Donovan West boys fell by 17 to Lynn. Final score in that one, 48-31. Washington County losing to Frankfurt. The girls' side, 62-34. They're now 8-11 on the season. Well, the Washington County boys ended up dropping uh, their ninth consecutive game. Boy, things are not going well out in Washington County. They're now 2-10 on the season in league play. They fell 63-52. Axel girls take down Blue Valley Randolph in a tight ball game, 48-43. They are now 8-11 on the season. Axel boys, they've won four in a row. They took down Blue Valley Randolph boys, 59-46 in last night's contest. And that is all in the TVL. As for the KBCA, a couple of changes this week. Wamigo girls dropping uh, two spots in the rankings for 4A girls. Fort Scott moves up two in 4A girls. Speaking of Fort Scott boys, uh, they lost to Pittsburgh last night. And let me get this young man's name up here really quick because I don't remember his name off the top of my head. i got to pull up uh, Elon Musk's app here. <laughs> uh, Mason English had 57 points last night for Pittsburgh High in a double overtime win over Fort Scott. That's the second 50-plus point game this season uh, in Kansas High School basketball. So congratulations to Mason English if he's out there listening as his team picked up the win last night. But Fort Scott girls have bumped up two spots while Migo drops down two spots. Silver Lake girls still at one in the 3A rankings. On the boys' side, Junction City remaining in the top five in 6A boys over in uh, 4A boys Silver Lake Rock Creek uh, not Silver Lake Rock Creek bounced down two spots Pratt now takes over at the number seven spot so those are the couple of changes we've seen this week uh, in the KBCA rankings they come out every Tuesday and uh, we always have a story for you up there on newsradiokman.com our website remember of course our show now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so if you miss a show anytime, you can always check us out on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify by searching uh, News Radio KMAN. You can also find shows like the 10-Minute Morning Show, The Game, and In Focus. Uh, we have all our podcasts there for you to check it out if you ever miss a show. Of course, we got men's basketball coming up at 10. We'll have an update from Troy on wrestling here at 9.30 on K-Man. 
the men's game against TCU, also on our sister station, 101.5 K-Rock. That is starting at 10 a.m. with pregame tip at 11 from Bramlage. Busy day for K-State and Bramlage Coliseum staff. They do a great job. Women's basketball hosts UCF here on K-Man. Uh, that's a 4 o'clock tip with a 3.30 pregame. And K-State baseball online as they take on Boston College. 12.30 pregame on our website, newsradiokman.com. Folks, it's been a pleasure as always. want to thank Nick Perez and Kyle Porter, also Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale for their help this week on the program. And uh, it's been a pleasure as always. We'll be back same time, same place next week for more scores, highlights, standings, and coach interviews here on Scoreboard Saturday. Of course, always brought to you by the great folks at WTC Communications. WTC keeping you connected with the fastest fiber network, internet speeds. Get your home or business in the game online at WTCKS.com. Have a great rest of your weekend, folks. Go Cats!